Hey, welcome to Real Life Horsemanship, where we go behind the scenes of the horse industry and talk to equine professionals about what it takes to make it in the horse world. Our guest this week is another one of our hosts, Anna Wilson. Anna started taking lessons as a kid with a trainer in Washington, and after graduating from college, she worked for two separate barns riding their horses and starting a handful of colts. As of now, she's taking a step back from the equine industry and working as a teacher's assistant at a local school in her hometown. We appreciate all those who have been tuning in each week. Welcome to the Real Life Horsemanship Podcast. Today, oh wait, no, I'm Ava Falcon, one of your hosts, and today we're interviewing one of our hosts, Anna Wilson. Clap, cheers Hi. in the background. Yay! <laughs> you flatter me. You know, we do our best. We just want to build that ego up as much as possible. So, we all need it. Help. <laughs> We're going to start with you doing an intro, Anna. You know, um, this is one of our, this is what, our second time actually recording. So um, it's, this is a good practice round for us before we get anyone else on the podcast. Um, so yeah, just give us an intro, a short little intro about yourself and to kind of kick off the podcast and give people kind of an idea of who you are. And we'll go from there. Sure. Um, well, I'm Anna Wilson. I grew up in Western Washington and I've pretty much been riding like as long as I can remember. Like I was the kid that begged my parents for horseback riding lessons when I was super little. So, um, I, and I just like fell in love with it right away. Um, I never like competed or anything, but I did, I don't know. I just grew up riding like crappy backyard horses and like doing the thing and like we jumped them and we rail raced them and like we did all the stuff but never never competitively or anything and I feel like I did a lot of just like figuring it out along the way um not a lot of like really informal lessons so but I was just like I loved every second of it and yeah and I I never like had my own horse until high school. Um, like my parents couldn't, you know, help me. They couldn't buy me a horse. They couldn't. They couldn't do much other than get lessons. But I <laughs> fell in love with a gelding in high school and leased him for a while, and then we bought him, and he was my first horse, and I still have him. And um, shout out to Willie. Shout out to Willie. The yeah, <laughs> like the world's worst fjord, but we love him. <laughs> and, you <laughs> said it, not me. <laughs> no, I mean it's been like it's been such a weird journey with him, and like I met him when I was fourteen, and like we he was awful, and I loved him, and for some reason he loved me, so we made it work, but. Yeah, and then um, after college, I got into riding more professionally and spent some time. I spent a long time in Montana riding, cutting horses, and, like, that was a really interesting experience. And then the last two years, I've been working as a trainer and a riding instructor at a barn in Washington. So that's, like, kind of been the journey thus far. Definitely. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a, a longer answer than you wanted. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's a lot of like 
you've had a lot of different experiences from like professionally, from being an amateur to now. So it's really cool to hear. <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to talk a little bit where you're at now, if you're comfortable doing that? Um, yeah, I can. Um, as, <laughs> as interesting as the past few years have been and the couple of jobs I've had have been, and like they, I can recognize that they were really good learning experiences and I enjoyed a lot of it. I have been pretty burned out by a couple of bad bosses in a row. And so I'm stepping away from horses professionally for a while. Like, even though it's probably still what I'd like to do in the long term, I'm just like taking my mental health break to figure it out. <laughs> so that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Can you talk to us about what taking care of your mental health looks like for you and how you did that or, or didn't do that when you were working in the horse industry professionally? What are some things you wish you would have done to take better care of your mental health sooner? Um, I can sure try to answer it. It's probably going to lean more on the side of I didn't take care of myself and I wish I had. Um, I, I, let's see, how do I jump into this? I think a lot of what was going on at those jobs factors into why it was bad for me, if that makes sense. It's not so much that I'm burned out on horses or anything. It was that I was being treated badly and taken advantage of. And it took me a long time to come around to that because it was from people that I trusted. Right. And had respect for, not necessarily do now. And um and and a lot of it was also because because I did know these people and did trust them, I felt like it was normal. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to realize that their behavior was not normal. Mm -hmm. And so I was like living in this space where like I wasn't allowed, like I wasn't given freedom to do my job correctly. I was like financially being taken advantage of mm -hmm. and like didn't want, like didn't have the confidence to stand up for myself and like demand, you know, better pay or whatever. Right. And, um, and didn't have enough confidence in my abilities to say, no, actually, you know, that's wrong. Like, that's not how we train. Or when I did, I'd get shut down. Right. So it just ended up like it came to a head this fall with me being extremely, like, depressed and mm. in, like, fight or flight mode all the time. Like, tiptoeing around the person I was working for and, like, that whole mess. Right. So I decided that I just needed to like step away from all of it for a while and get back my passion for horses and right. see if it is something I want to do in the long term. Like if I step away, do I miss it or not? Which right. is like a scary thought to have because I like I don't I I want to keep doing it <laughs> mm -hmm. and I I like don't know how to handle not having that drive for it. Um, cause I've always felt like that's what I was meant to do. So, and I'm trying to like work for other people and gain some confidence back in the workspace. Like, what does it look like for me to feel confident in my own abilities? Mm -hmm. Um, like I just need to like rebuild all that after having it like taken away from me or repressed or whatever for so long. <laughs> so, right. 
yeah, I don't know if that made any sense, but. Hey, Anna, working for somebody that's kind of like that, did you, I mean, you talked about you you were wanting to like tiptoe around and stuff. Um, did it re- did it really affect how your overall life was, or was it just solely on um, at work, or was it outside of work that you started to feel that way too? That's really interesting, actually, and I feel like I'm gonna end up getting off topic from horses, but it's, no, this is good. This is part of it. Yeah, important to talk about yeah um I noticed that when I started like applying for other jobs or when I was dealing dealing with people in authority I'll put it that way whether that was in my church or in a job interview or whatever Mm -hmm. that I like just generally I don't stand up for myself I will always follow what the person ahead of me tells me to do like I and even if it was somebody who has treated me well every day of their life, like I still was so scared of messing up and doing something wrong because mm-hmm. of the repercussions that have been so ingrained in my, me by this other person that I've literally known since I was in elementary school. Um, like she caused such a, a fear of authority figures in me. Like mm-hmm. everybody, if I mess up, like they are going to be so angry with me and I'm, you know, going to get yelled at or whatever. And like, I thought for so long that was just like making me stronger in a way. But Mm. in reality, like I was, and still am frankly, because I'm still like, I'm really not very far removed from the situation. Like I, (laughs) I just like shut down and do what I'm told. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's, yeah, definitely seen it. Did you start to see it in your personal horses? Or, I mean, I guess, did you work your personal horse, horses very much? Um, and if you did, did you see it affect, you know, come out when you were working them or or, or clients or whatever? I think that when, like, you're, you've just been in that, like, anxiety mode for so long, it can't help but affect your horses. Like, yeah. it's too and yeah I I noticed that like I was under so much pressure from myself or whatever that I wasn't training as effectively and I was like stressing my horses out even when I wasn't asking anything of them um, because they could just like feel how on edge I was all the time and like I and and that definitely like I saw that in my personal horses and in in the other horses I was riding And, like, even the past couple of weeks where, like, all of that has been gone and I've just been, like, working them kind of on my own time and a lot less than normal, like, the couple of rides I have had have been vastly different than they were last Mm. in in a really good way. Mm. So, yeah, hope that answers that. Yeah. It does. I will say, um, we've had this conversation, but you were, you talked about how with your own horses and the horses that for your boss, like that they, you struggled with them, but then people that you were training for that weren't your boss, they were just paying you to ride their horse. It wasn't quite the same. Do you want to talk about the difference with that? Mm. Yeah. What was it like working under someone versus kind of 
working for clients? Yeah, so for a little bit of context, I was riding, I don't know, anywhere from four to six colts for the person I was working for and like contracted with. And then I had my own clients on the side. Um, And the people I was riding for on the side were coming to me for my expertise, for lack of a better word. And that's a good word. Like, sure. (laughs) And trusted me um, to do it. Like they came to me because my skills entrusted me to do it my way and that that was good. And the person I was working for expected me to train her way, even though she's not a trainer and her way wasn't always correct. She wanted like, and so the horses I was riding for other people turned out a lot better because mm-hmm. I wasn't dealing with these expectations. I was just doing good work. Right, um, right. And they were the horses I liked riding more. And they were, they, they just, they turned out better. And yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I think there's growing pains for people in their twenties and in probably any industry. I, you know, I can't speak to really any industry other than the equine industry because it's the only one I've worked in my whole entire life. So, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like one of the struggles that like what you were just saying kind of, it brings it to light a little bit is like, you know, people want you to be competent and they want you to have enough confidence to do the things that you're capable of doing. But you're so young still that sometimes I feel like there's this like, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Unspoken like boundary of like, you can't be too confident because if you act too confident, then you must think that you're this 20 something year old, you know, gift from God to horses. And so I've, I've, I like hear what you're saying. And I feel like I've always struggled with that because I never wanted to seem like just this arrogant, dumb kid in my 20s or whatever. But at the same time, like the horses really do need you to have confidence. They really do need you to believe that you can do it. So like I hear you saying that, it just reminds me so much of like being in your 20s is kind of tricky as a professional, I feel like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's tough to navigate. Talking more about learning. Um what was kind of like your, everybody has these, I've had several of them, but what was, what was kind of like your ouch moment that kind of stuck out to you during horsemanship um, with your own or with clients that you like realized that, you know, man, I really need to change this because it's not working and it's something with me. Right. I've um, probably had a few of these moments, but the one that immediately... Fair. (laughs) Valid. (laughs) Yeah. The one that immediately came to mind and has stuck with me for a couple years now. Um, I was starting the quarter horse I have now, and he spent the first ride in the arena, like, bolting, and it terrified That's terrifying me. <laughs> yeah and like looking back on it I realized that he was just picking up on like all of my anxiety because I was really scared 
but I remember saying to somebody else that day, like, like, this is really, you know, this is making me super nervous. Like my other horse does this too. And they just looked at me and were like, well, then it's probably you. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and and let me tell you, I took that to heart and I have not had a cult do that since. (laughs) So yeah, it's a it's a humbling experience when you like notice a behavior in one of your horses and you're like this is awful. I don't want to ride something that does this and then you think about it for a few minutes and you think about all the other ones you have that do the exact same thing. You're like, "Wow. Yeah. Who's the common denominator here?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, I had one of those revelations this summer. I won't get too in deep with it, but the person I interned for, like I turned to them uh, like way later into the internship and I was like, every single horse I've ever, almost every single horse I've ridden has had this issue. And then they were like, good for noticing. Yeah. <laughs> Time to work on it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feel that. <laughs> okay. So let's just circle back. We talked about mental health quite a bit right at the beginning. And you kind yeah. of spoke to, you were very brave and vulnerable about how the things that you didn't really do for your mental health and how that kind of played into where you found yourself now. And so I was just wondering if you could maybe like go back and give yourself, you know, some advice, just some practical advice, whatever, any kind of advice that you can think of for, you know, younger people who are breaking into the industry, like, how would you have gone back and taken better care of your mental health if you could? <laughs> and this oh, is I'm a question. A yeah, I'm going to need a second to think about that. Um, it's, a, it's, I look back it's, and I think it's complicated, but yeah, sorry, go. Hit yeah, it. it's, well, it's hard because as difficult as it has been, I'm not sure what I would change. Hmm. Um, cause it, it put me where I am now and I don't have any regrets, okay. honestly. Um, like I, I do feel like I've learned something from all of it. That being said, if I were to, you know, talk to somebody jumping in for the first time or go back and talk to my younger self, whatever the, your imaginary scenario, I, would I would encourage them to be really discerning about who they're choosing to learn from and who they want to work for like that should be the priority first and foremost like deciding what you are looking for and who like you know are you willing to compromise on that or not and who like who do you really want to around you have influencing you um like I wish I'd been again I don't have any regrets but maybe things would be different if I had been pickier and looked a little harder for you know who I wanted to work for Anna since you were um you said that you grew up with the lady that you worked for did you see yourself being as close-minded as her until you got out of college and then um, went back and worked for 
this lady. You know, this thing wasn't working. So we reached out to this trainer and I was struggling with this horse. So like in high school, we weren't sure what to do with my fjords. So we reached out to a dressage trainer and like that was brand new to me. And um, I changed a heck of a lot a couple of years ago. And like, I've always tried to be open to other stuff. Um, I don't think that her complete closed-mindedness like rubbed off on me a whole lot it's more just that I thought what she was doing was normal does that make sense Mm -hmm. sure well and Mm closed-mindedness too can be um as far as like you can take their information in yeah but then you're like oh thank you for that tip but then you keep doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. you know and not actually taking that advice trying it ruling it out you know so close mm-hmm. close mindedness can show up in many shapes and forms it doesn't just have to be hey you know i'm not doing that because i'm not <laughs> ain't no that. yeah <laughs> no that's a that's a fantastic point um yeah and I don't know I've always tried to give things a fair shake at least and if it wasn't working I'd move on but yeah I I, I'm kind of open to anything at this point you get what I'm saying right you know like yeah I feel like I was a little bit that way you know growing up pretty much in the English industry like um I mean really like we all have uh you know there's a little bit of that closed-mindedness where you're you take somebody's advice but it goes in one ear and out the other and you don't really put it into practice Mm, yeah like Uh, you don't apply it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I feel like too like just uh, so like I've taught I've taught in a college setting I've taught private lessons Mm -hmm. now clinics shout out Mm -hmm. to Dana for organizing clinics for me to do <laughs> uh, and you might you might be about to shut down everything I just said like no when I met you you were so close <laughs> no no I what I was gonna say though is um I feel like I've encountered like people like and I feel like when we're talking about closed-mindedness like um I feel like it's a spectrum you know mm-hmm. because like no one is totally like one thousand percent like all right just anything and like I have no opinions on anything you know like we all have experiences and opinions that are you know like hopefully shifting and growing but I feel like as an instructor when I've encountered folks who are a little bit more closed-minded or what the way I like to think of it is as scared um Mm -hmm. because ultimately being open-minded we're talking about like being curious and asking questions and trying new things. And all of that involves being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes when I find students who are like kind of more on the unwilling side and don't aren't super receptive to what I'm like telling them or asking them to try, a lot of times it's because they are feeling insecure about being vulnerable, about trying something new in front of other people, about being, you know, people feel singled out sometimes, you know, like whatever it may be. And because there's like this, stigma around making mistakes with horses mm-hmm. and I feel like as a cult starter you know I can't speak to like every discipline on the face of the earth by any means but like as a cult starter 
Um, and I've taken lots of lessons with other people, done lots of clinics, et cetera. Like there's this, like, don't screw them up. Just like, don't, if you do this, they're screwed up forever. And I'm not saying like with Colts, the stakes are pretty high. <laughs> I, there's quite a lot of pressure to do things well and to prepare a horse well. But even in that situation, like I have found myself feeling kind of like closed off to an idea that was like new because I was scared of messing up. And so I feel like I just wanted to point out that like, in, in case of anyone listening, like if you're feeling kind of closed off to an idea, if you're feeling kind of like, I don't know, like evaluate why, like, why is, why wouldn't I want to try that? You know, like I'm a big believer in break the rules. Like if the rules are, we never do this. I'm not saying just do it for no reason, but I'm saying, ask why, what -hmm. happens if you do, you know, like to me, being open-minded, basically being receptive. You have to learn how to be really comfortable with making mistakes and looking like a goofball. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. I feel like people I mean, are closed-minded. Um, one, due to, like, experience. Like, if they don't have a lot of experience, they're like, oh, no. Like, I want to stay close to what I've been taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, like Ava said, like, insecurity that you just might be like, whoa, that's really far-fetched. I don't know if I want to try that. Or you're scared to try it because you never have and you don't want a really bad accident to happen. Like, that would be my thought if I was handling client horses and I've tried every rule in the book and then I ask somebody that has more experience and they say, you know, tie a leg up. You know, something that could break leg, you know, or strain a tendon. And, you know, you're kind of held back from doing that because you're like, oh, well, I don't know. Right. Right. So there's lots of, like, components that. I I was going to say, I can speak a little bit to what you and, and Dana were just talking about. And, like, I know that you know exactly where I'm going with this. But, yeah. like, yeah, you do. You, you'll know in a second because the Uh-oh. I think the most like adverse to anything I've ever felt is when oh, like right. you asked me to change everything and <laughs> because I knew exactly how my horse was going to react and I was terrified of it and, and to so, be fair I, I didn't was... totally believe you <laughs> <laughs> my mistake I'm like, Anna's, Anna's probably thinking in this moment like She's going to kill me. <laughs> okay. Well, I, yeah, no, I was standing there like, if, if you don't kill me, my horse is going to. <laughs> and for, context, for context, really quick, for people who might listen to this episode at yeah. some point in time, Anna was in a college class that I taught, a horsemanship class. So that's where this story came from. <laughs> Anyways, keep going. Yeah. Um, but... Again, going back to what I said earlier, like my colt had, you know, my colt had a bolting problem and so did my older horse. And I knew that. (laughs) And so I rode him in equipment that made sure he didn't bolt with me instead of fixing the problem. And when you asked me to like go back to square one and change everything I was like this is gonna be bad I think I (laughs) I made you ride in a snaffle didn't I you made me ride in a snaffle and like 
with like, yeah. And I just knew he was going to go and I wasn't going to be able to stop him. And I was so scared. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, and he did run fast for a short little fat horse. He could run. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Still fjords right. aren't fast. They can't run. <laughs> Sure I mean, <laughs> like what did I don't even know that was the first fjord I'd ever seen in person so what what did I know on the topic of this is Willie um Anna's fjord yeah. gelding that we're talking about and Willie is pretty much a celebrity at this point uh, <laughs> he is he, he of, knows it too <laughs> yeah he's something else yeah. so you know you talked about how like your Colt and Willie both had bolting problems so like let's talk about Willie in particular since he, it was like a very like ingrained habit in him. Um, like what were some of the things that you did that addressed the bolting problem? What did you feel like really like worked for you in that situation? Well, I think it's important to mention that like that issue was the symptom of like a chronic anxiety problem in him that was really stemming from me um and like I have had issues with my anxiety my entire life and so he was he was feeding off it and he was kind of stressed about everything and didn't really know how to slow down and think at all um so what what worked the best was once I had like learned to not be scared of it and really that came from like learning tools you know metaphorical tools that could help me deal with the problem when it happens so you know we sure mastered like a one rain stop let me tell you mm-hmm. <laughs> um so once I felt like when he did it I could handle it then mm-hmm. a lot of that anxiety started to go away in myself and then he started to slow down and it was I remember just weeks and weeks of like at a walk and a trot he'd start to speed up and we'd turn and then he'd start to speed up and we'd turn again and we'd walk kind of nice we'd trot kind of nice for half a circle and then he'd speed up and we'd turn again and like I just tried to put him in a position where he had to think and balance a little bit more and he couldn't just like go run off with me mm-hmm. and I'm trying to remember your original question <laughs> oh no that was just that was but you yeah. answered it yeah like yeah. basically okay, what were some of the things you did that helped you with your bolting problem and I think yeah that was a good answer it made sense to me <laughs> yeah like the groundwork helped a lot too like he's always been super receptive to groundwork and like he's always been super like joined up with me I guess for lack of a better term term like he'll follow me around like a puppy in the round pen and like he he wants to be connected really badly and Mm -hmm. he's just like an in-your-pocket type of horse um but I didn't want to work with him for a long time I wanted to do it my way right (laughs) and so we like learned some groundwork and figured some stuff out in that regard and stuff in the saddle started to get better and he occasionally still gets a wild hair these days, but it's not a chronic issue like it used to be. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, I just wanted to say a little bit on what you said. Like, it hasn't totally gone away, and I feel like that's so true. Like, 
horses that, that have a chronic issue, like you can mitigate it as much as possible and like help it go like not go away, but at least not have it be chronic. But it's almost always going to be there, like not trying to take over anything. But like I have a mare who was a horrible trailer loading horse, like she was horrible to get in the trailer. I couldn't like it took other people helping me to get to her to that point, like in one of the classes that Ava taught. Um, we spent two hours trying to get that horse good, getting good into the trailer. Did like, we? Yeah, it was two hours. I don't even remember. Oh, it, it, oh my, my brain was... is like blocking it out. It's like that didn't happen. <laughs> my shoulder was burning by the end of that day. Oh, and anyway, so like she's great to load. Like I can throw the rope over her back and she'll load up. And every once in a blue moon, like every once in a while, she'll stop at the trailer and go, I'm not getting in. And it doesn't take much to get her in the trailer, but that will occasionally just pop up. Just right. it's just there. Like you like. I feel like as much as you can try and get rid of it, it's just always kind of there because it was a chronic habit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of look at Willie like a person who has some sort of, you know, diagnosable mental health problem. Like (laughs) he has, like he has a chronic anxiety problem and like maybe that's, and not maybe it has gotten better over the years. But it's not going to go away. And like the important thing for me is remembering that I have ways to help him through it rather than like fighting him on it or not caring or whatever. Like I don't have to be afraid because I know how to handle it and how to like talk him down a little bit. And so it doesn't crop up very often. But when it does, I'm not scared of it anymore. Let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about fear, because I feel like one of the things that holds people back with their own horses or that holds people back from like really stepping out professionally is just like, what do I do when I'm afraid to get on that horse or I'm afraid to work this horse or like, like I get, I get the question a lot of times, like, aren't you afraid, you know, like with starting Colts and, um, I, like, can you just talk to us about, like, what has helped you overcome fear with getting on a horse or working a certain horse on the ground even? Like, what are some of the things that you've noticed have helped eliminate or help you overcome fear? Boom. Well, Ava, Ava with the questions yeah. over here. Here's <laughs> stumping me. And, I mean, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so... A lot of my fear regarding horses has developed more in the past few years rather than gone away. So it's new to me to like have to figure it out. Mm. When I was a kid, I was not scared of anything. Like I would literally get on any horse. I would do anything with them. Like I didn't care. I don't know how many times I like played tag on our 15 acres of trails bareback or whatever and like fell off in the bushes or whatever right like I would do anything and like Willie was the first horse that like I was like really afraid of and I'm not like I'm not sure I recognized that for a while because like I had I had like I had ways to override that whether it was bidding up or whatever like So I didn't think I was afraid of him for a long time. I thought it was just a normal thing to like have a horse that acted like that. And then you dealt with it by dropping equipment on them or whatever. Right. And so like it was 
in that class where I was really like, oh, I <laughs> am terrified and I have to work through this. And like since then, I've like maintained a healthy respect for young horses. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to do that. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's inherently wrong to have some fear because it makes us prepare our horses better or um yeah like we prepare them better we put in more time we put like go follow through with all of the steps but at least like more recently when I've been riding colts like I have gotten over that fear by being very sure about what I have already Mm -hmm. done with them and knowing that they're ready and like yeah there's still things they could do for me but like do to me (laughs) but I've put in as much work as I can up until this point to believe that they're ready and um like that gives me a lot of assurance on top of that little bit of fear um and I don't like again I don't think it's so I don't think it's a bad thing to be afraid because you're not gonna like push yourself or the horse past your limits like you're gonna you're gonna stop and figure things out before it gets bad um but like the most important thing for me has just been having faith in like what I can do and knowing like what that horse knows. And that means we need to wrap it up. <laughs> so I think the question, cause we recorded my interview yesterday and I think the mm-hmm. last question that y'all asked me was, was it advice? What it was, was it? what would you, what inspirational quote would you put on Instagram? Uh, what what would <laughs> yeah, be your like, inspirational like, caption on Instagram? Couple sentences or less because <laughs> you made me do, you were like, Ava, you cannot answer this question for 35 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Now you, you gave me like a genuine answer and I really appreciate, appreciated that. But can I just like. I'm like staring at a quote right now because it's on the wall in front of me that like I feel like sums up the way I think about things. Okay. Meg's <laughs> laughing at me. <laughs> Meg's always it's laughing like, at me. Yeah. I, I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a C.S. Lewis quote and it says oh, we yeah. must go on. Yeah, I know, right? It says <laughs> we must go on and take the adventure that comes to us. And I'm very much in the headspace of like well, I don't know what's coming, but it's going to be interesting either way. Um, yeah. Like, we're just we're just going to see what happens. Um, and so, like, I'm not necessarily, like, afraid of the future. And I wouldn't want my past self to be afraid of what, you know, would be coming for them in what's been, like, my last few years. Um, I just know, like, we'll deal with it either way. I love it. This is the Real Life Horsemanship Podcast. Your host, Dana Decker, Meg Bennett, who is our producer and manager, but also acted as a host on this episode. You are a manager. Don't give me that look. You guys should see her right now on Skype giving me a look. And Anna Wilson, who is also one of our hosts, but was our interviewee today. So thank you, Anna, for sharing your you know, story a little bit with us. So. Yeah, thank you. I hope it wasn't like too much of a bummer. <laughs> no, it's good. I feel like in one way or another, we all felt 
where you're at and I feel like it's something that most people in the horse industry have encountered so I think it's important to talk about so thank you yeah thank you Thanks for joining us today on Real Life Horsemanship. We hope you enjoyed listening to our guest today. And if you'd like to keep up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook.